You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course the brand new podcasting app Himalaya. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NolaJake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Friday, final podcast of the week, an exciting week for New Orleans because they have jumped up to win the NBA draft lottery and the ability to draft Zion Williamson, number one overall. And we are focusing on Zion in this podcast. I'm going to give you a full scouting breakdown of him, his offensive game, his defensive game, his intangible fit with the Pelicans, all of that and a little bit more. But first, we got to talk about something we mentioned yesterday, him actually playing in New Orleans because a lot of talk the past couple days about will he, won't he? I think we can put that all to bed right now. Thanks to our friend T-Bob Bear up there in Baton Rouge. We're going to talk about it coming up in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So some great news for Pelicans fans. Early yesterday morning on 105 or 104.5 ESPN Radio up in Baton Rouge, 100.3 FM here in New Orleans on Off the Bench with my good buddy T-Bob Bear and Jordy Collada. They had Zion Williamson's stepdad on talking about all things Zion Williamson and playing in New Orleans. His name is Lee Anderson. I think it sounds like he's been in Zion's life since Zion was four as his stepdad. And he put to bed basically any speculation that the guy would be returning to Duke or anything other than playing in the NBA. And it started off very simply. We're excited. We're excited. That's great to hear, to be playing potentially in New Orleans, assuming they take him number one overall. They are taking him number one overall. They directly asked him about returning to Duke and if there was a chance of that. And his stepdad said, quote, there has been a lot of speculation, but that is nothing we have even considered, end quote. That is nothing we have even considered, he said. Yeah, that is not happening. He's not going back to Duke as uh, for a number of the reasons that I laid out on yesterday's podcast. He then went on to say, it's quote, I spoke with Coach Gentry the other night and we met with Mr. Griffin, David Griffin, and then I spoke with him again last night. We had a great conversation and we're excited about the prospects of coming down there and getting settled and looking for a place to stay and all of those good things, end quote. They're already talking about looking for a place for Zion Williamson to live in New Orleans and something that they will be doing in the future at some point, likely after he is officially drafted. You know, the way that conversation with David Griffin sounds like David Griffin told them that he is being drafted number one overall by the New Orleans Pelicans. It wasn't just it was nice to meet him to get a feel for the organization or anything like that. It was ah, we, we were happy to meet him. We had a nice talk. We're looking forward to getting settled in your city. That sounds like Zion Williamson is going to be drafted number one overall by the Pelicans. If you want to read a little too much into this, and you can, and Bill Simmons over at The Ringer did, here's a quote for you. And it's, quote, one thing that Zion has always been taught, you accept the things you cannot change. You change the things that you can. And this is one of the things that he had nothing to do with. It's the process of the NBA, end quote. It's like the serenity prayer. But 
you know, I don't think that's something that means, well, he doesn't want to play here. It's just it's out of his hands, so he will. I think it's just he doesn't worry about things that he doesn't control. Like we all shouldn't, like what ESPN people say or Colin Coward says or any of that. You can't control what they say. What? Why get worked up over it? You know, it's kind of one of those things. You can read too much into that quote if you want. I don't think we need to. It sounds like he's saying all the right things. Later in the day, you had Shams of The Athletic come out and say they've spoken that pre-lottery this was a team, a franchise, that they had their eye on for Zion to start his career. You could read a little bit too much into that too. We're not going to. Saying that, yeah, there's been nothing about him being disappointed or anything like that. Whether this is just controlling the narrative through the media on David Griffin's part, on Zion's family's part or whatever, who cares? It's all doing the right things and it making it seem like he's coming here and it's not going to be a problem whatsoever. If you're a Pelicans fan, all you can really ask for, it's really wonderful. Interesting thing to note, and I was unlocked on Lakers and their uh, episode for today, and we kind of brought this up too, is that Zion Williamson does not have an agent just yet. His stepfather mentioned they just aren't in a rush to do it right now. He's going number one overall. It's not like you need an agent to kind of negotiate that deal. The Pelicans are going to offer him the max they can of the rookie scale, which is 120% of it, a little over $10 million. It's as simple as that. Like, that's the contract he's getting. There's no even need to negotiate here. You know, I'll do it. I'll do it for less of a percent than any other agent would do it for almost for free. Um, And it would end up being the exact same thing. And so there's no need for him to have an agent, you know, uh, asked if he might sign with clutch sports. Yeah, that would be a little bit unfun here, I guess, for everyone in New Orleans. But he doesn't really strike me as the guy that kind of would go and do that. So we'll see who he eventually picks as an agent. Something just worth keeping an eye on. But T-Bob Bear, Jordy Collada, putting it all to rest that Zion won't be playing in New Orleans next year. Don't worry about it whatsoever. You've even seen this really change on all of the big sports programs, at least all the ones that I watched yesterday. All we're talking about this. Zion's going to be here. He's going to be a Pelican. Rest assured of that. So now that that's out of the way, let's focus on the scouting report of Zion Williamson and what he's going to be like, what he does well if you don't watch a lot of college basketball. We're going to talk about that coming up here in just a moment. But before we get to that, don't forget, we're going to have a lot more content coming all about Zion, all about potential trades for Anthony Davis and more. So make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast through the Himalaya podcast app. Download Himalaya from your app store. Subscribe to Locked On Pelicans. Get personally curated playlists for the type of content that you want to hear. Again, go to your app store, download Hippolam, and subscribe to Locked on Pelicans. Even if you never pay attention to college basketball, you likely know the name Zion Williamson because of just the way he lit up the college ranks this past year as a freshman for Duke. He's won basically every major college award there is to win. The only thing he missed out on was basically winning a national championship. And he's the most hyped prospect coming into the draft, probably since LeBron James in terms of hype around him. He's the best prospect coming into the draft since Anthony Davis back in 2012 and LeBron James before Anthony Davis Back in 2003, I think it was. I might be getting my years wrong right there. Basically, he's the best player to come out since AD and since LeBron James. Pretty good pedigree to have. I don't think he's 
as good of a prospect coming into the league as Anthony Davis was, but that's not a knock on him. I actually think it's a little bit close. And what it sounds like is some GMs have him rated above AD, some have him slightly below, but that's his comp and that's the range of player that they think he can translate to in the NBA. Even if you're a little bit behind him, it's pretty good to be compared to Anthony Davis coming into the league who had all that hype and was that good of a player. So let's start with Zion's measurables. And the first thing when you even just see him is this dude jumps out at you as a big guy. He is 6'7", listed at 285 pounds. He's got a 6'10 wingspan. He did not get his measurables done at the combine that I saw. And I think they skipped it for him. But basically, his leaping ability is absolutely unreal. You saw him flying high above the rim last season for Duke with those strong, powerful legs that just have some sort of muscles on him that allows him to really elevate like that. Despite not having the height of a center or a traditional power forward now in the league, AD is closer to 6'10", 6'11", 7 foot. He is coming in here at 6'7", but he is a big guy and that smaller size and uh, height maybe gives him some more of that at elite athleticism that we saw from him all year long this guy is just straight up tremendous in his lone season at duke he played in 33 games averaged 30 minutes per game put up 22.6 points per game 8.9 rebounds 2.1 assists 2.1 steals 1.8 blocks 2.4 turnovers per game he did this on 68% shooting from the field. 68% shooting from the field. He averaged a cool 9 of 13.2 in every game he played. He shot also 33.8% from deep, showing off a little bit of range. That was only on 2.2 attempts per game. Had a free throw percentage of 64%, a little bit lower than you'd like. And of those 8.9 rebounds per game, was grabbing 3.5 offensive boards. Again, these are this is just a tremendous stat line. And when you look at it in the context of everything else he did, which we're going to talk about in the team that he had around him there at Duke, it comes out to be a little bit more impressive than you might have expected. The other thing that's worth noting is he had that kind of knee injury midseason where people were saying maybe he should be done playing and he shouldn't play anymore and just go straight to the NBA. Those same people were then probably saying he should go back to Duke, which is... A little bit contradictory, but whatever. We just focus on what we can control, right? We learned that in the past segment. Um, you know, they they were not good without him there. This is a guy who's very clearly the leader of the team, a guy that they fed off of his energy and everything that he brings to the team. And that motor is very, very high. So offensively, what does he look like? And if you want to see all of the tools he has on display kind of in a single moment, it's going to be in transition. This is a guy who has such good ball handling ability such a good center of gravity that he can go coast to coast with the ball, sprinting out ahead of guards, get out in transition and score. And he can do that by going through you. He can do that by going around you. And he can do that by going over you if you're trying to defend him. Towards the end of the season, once people realized how good he was, guys were just straight up getting out of his way in transition. They wanted no part of this. If they tried to stay in front of him, he can step around you because his ball handling ability is so good and he's so under control. He's a lefty, by the way, that he can go either direction. He could almost leap over you if you were close enough to the back it and elevate clear over you if need be um, and do it any way he wants or he's just so strong 
And it's so tough to get the ball out of his hands that if you're right there, he doesn't mind kind of bodying into you and scoring over you that way. That's something that I think is really important to note with his offensive game. This dude does really well in traffic around the rim. You crowd the paint against him, he's kind of okay with it. And he played again out there with a traditional center at Duke who didn't really shoot much and didn't space the court. They didn't have great three-point shooters around him either. RJ Barrett there wasn't tremendous. Um, And some of the other guys that he played with. So the spacing was often kind of mucked up. But this is a guy on his leap ability gets the ball so low that it's tough to just slap it out of his hand as he goes up with it. It's unbelievable. When he starts to drive into the paint, look at when he kind of gathers the ball and how he kind of crouches down just a little bit protecting the ball that way and then that kind of crouch gives him a little bit more explosiveness to go up with it and score that way you see that in the 68 percent field goal percentage that he's just taking these hyper efficient shots and no one's stopping him because they have no ability to do so It's also one of the reasons why he's so tremendous at finishing at the rim. You know, he didn't get to the line as much as maybe you would have expected for him. And he's not a tremendous free throw shooter, but he doesn't need to be. Not when you shoot 68% from the field because you hit him or you touch him. It doesn't lose the ball and he doesn't mind having that traffic or strong defenders around him. Part of that's also due to him being in such control of his body. And he can go up and he can move around a little bit in the air and almost change direction a little bit. And he's got such a nice touch on his shot that he can go up and under, kind of flip it off the glass if need be. Look at some of the highlights of him. And it's just tremendous the different ways that he can score around the rim. In the half court, his game's actually kind of similar to someone we all know, and that's Julius Randle. Just better, much better, I think, than Julius Randle. He likes to ideally drive from the perimeter. He's a lefty, so he wants to start off going right and then get it into his left hand to finish that way. He does not finish well. Uh, as well with his right hand and is always looking to go left, similar to what Julius Randle did last year. He's got a variety of spin moves and crossovers because he looks like a guard with the ball in his hand. He can take you straight up off the dribble dribble and get down there with ease, and he's got a very good touch on it. It just makes him tough to defend. That spin move when he times it is really good. He can clearly read defenses quite well. He can hit you with that crossover to get it into his left hand. You know, I think he'll struggle a little bit maybe to start with as teams try and shade that that side and try and force him to go to his right more often. But with the variety of moves he has in his offensive game, I think he'll be able to get that shot off. And at the very least, maybe he just needs to go straight up Julius Randle, which is direct line to the rim, and he's going to score and no one's going to stop him. He just finishes better than Julius Randle does at the rim. And I think that's going to be a big thing. He's got a bit of a passing game, though, almost entirely with his left hand. When I was watching his assist highlights, you don't really see much with the right hand. Could be an issue, um, but they're not really looking to run the offense through him. It's still going to kind of be facilitated through a point guard through Drew Holiday that play alongside Julius Randle. It's not a Denver offense like Nikola Jokic. He doesn't have the passing ability that we even saw from Anthony Davis last year or from uh, DeMarcus Cousins the season before that. Offensively, too, his rebounding game is strong. Again, 3.5 offensive boards per game. This is a guy who's elite at timing his jump. I think that's one of the things you see in some of these elite reboundings in the league. It's not the physical gifts they have. It's just knowing when to time it. And his second jump is really, really good. 
You go up, miss the shot. He gets back down, jumps up again half the time before other guys even finish jumping and trying to kind of contest his first attempt. Might be because he's short. Again, that lower center of gravity, I think, has something to do with it too. But he can be elite on the offensive glass, getting a lot of putbacks. Certainly, the Pelicans are going to look to use him in transition and say, if you grab a board, just get out and run and do it in transition. Better so than Anthony Davis did. He can make the right pass in transition a little bit, but usually was just the finisher there. I think he can run the pick and roll really well with Drew Holiday. Dribble handoffs with these two seem like they're going to be really fun. His jumper is okay, but it seems to be improving. Not tremendous. He's got kind of a weird form where he twists his body to the side a little bit. He's not like a squared shooter, and he's more of a bit of a spot-up shooter than a guy in rhythm. You don't want him shooting tons of threes. We want him driving and attacking the rim and playing in transition. Not as worried about that. But when you watch his offensive game, it is very, very polished and is going to transition very well to the NBA. So we'll get to his defense and his intangibles in a minute here, but I do want to say when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Pelicans for the latest episode. We're going to have tremendous content coming to you over the next couple weeks and months as we break down everything you want to know about Zion Williamson. So when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Pelicans. So we talked about Zion's offensive game. Now let's look at the other side of the ball, his defensive ability. And when you watch him, oh, oh my God, like there's, there's no other way to say it. This guy is going to be tremendous in the NBA. We thought AD was going to come into the league and be really good on the defensive side of the ball as almost an elite rim protector right off the bat. He wasn't, but developed into it. Zion has potential to be better. I mean that not just as a rim protector, but as someone more in the mold of Draymond Green, who causes havoc on the defensive side of the ball, who's got such physical tools, skills, instincts, awareness, athleticism, motor drive, all of that, that you can guard almost one through five if he needs to. And you saw it play out in college. The numbers say it, the steals and blocks per game are absolutely tremendous. We can look at him as a rim protector first and foremost. This is a guy who just has the right instincts, and you're going to hear me say this a lot when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, particularly when we talk about steals, of just knowing when to time these leaps. And he gets so many blocks by bodying you up. You you can't shoot over him. Players and teams didn't even try at that point. So they try and get hit. He gets most of his blocks come as a help defender. Where someone's driving and he comes and blocks him from behind against the backboard. That was a regular thing for him. I forget who it was that they played. He also has just such insane leaping ability that he can jump from the paint and contest the three-point shot that he swatted away that one time on the baseline in the corner. These are the tools that he has and just that leaping ability, the strength that he's a very good interior defender that teams didn't even try. So he does this all as a help defender, and he clearly is an intelligent, intelligent guy. This just jumps right off the film at you that he can read the defense, knows when to rotate, and kind of has the right type of just instinct to gamble and block shots that way for guys that he wasn't even guarding actively during that time. The steals might be even better because when he grabs a steal, he's able to get out and run. And this is where the instincts really kick in. He gambled a lot in college and you can see it, but it basically worked out far more often than not and usually led to an easy two points in the offense um, in transition for him. But it reminds you a little bit of Drew Holiday. And this is, again, him just with those long arms, getting them in passing lanes or knowing when to gamble at the right time and decide to pick the ball from someone 
Or when they are caught unaware for a second, he sees it. And go and watch the film of him. Look at how many steals he gets by a guy looking to make a pass and kind of can't figure out where to go with the ball. Zion just charges, grabs the ball, and goes. Or pokes it out, then picks it up, and goes. It is unbelievable how well he can gamble for these steals. He's good enough that if you kind of put your body into him, he's going to stand his ground, his arms, he's in control of his body. He can knock the ball out that way too, but it mainly comes in the gambling. This is going to be a little bit more difficult for him in the NBA to start with, and he might be a bit of a defensive liability for the first couple of months as he gets kind of used to, one, just NBA players being better than what he played against in college, but also the league is just more spacier you know the three-point line is deeper and the lane is wider so you've got more ground to cover than he was in college that might be an issue and affect his timing on some of the the steals and the gambles he takes and he might get burned from it in the beginning but he can still guard one through five he's a good on-ball defender you can't really go around him he can block you from behind any number of things he is going to be potential. I don't want to get there just yet because it usually takes two, three years for guys to really be just decent on defense in the NBA. But there is absolutely defensive player of the year potential with Zion Williamson. Finally, the last thing I want to talk about with him is kind of the intangibles. This dude just goes from the start of the game to the end of the game. That motor is always high. For his entire career, how often did Anthony Davis leaving like leave us just wanting a little bit more? Not much, but like, come on, man, try just a little, little bit more. I don't think you're going to need to ever worry about that with Zion Williamson. This dude wants to go out and play and win basketball games. AD says winning's most important to him. You can almost tell Zion Williamson believes that just with his play on the court. He doesn't need to speak it out loud in a press conference ever. This guy just hustles. His IQ is absolutely through the roof. This is the type of guy you want on your team. I'm waxing poetic about him here, but when you watch him, you're going to do the same thing. Like I encourage all of you to just watch as many highlights of this dude as possible. I don't want to call him complete player. He's going to struggle probably to start next year. Um, as most rookies do, like he's not going to lead them to the playoffs by himself. Uh, but Oh my God, this guy is just going to be so good in the NBA. He's 18 years old right now. He turns 19 in July, June. He is going to be so good that, uh, uh, yeah, you guys get it. The scouting report I'm giving you here is tremendous, and I can't wait to see him on this Pelicans team and in the NBA. And just the intangibles he gives you, exactly what you want. It's going to wipe away any bad taste in your mouth that Anthony Davis left you with. So get excited, New Orleans, because Zion Williamson is coming here, and this dude is a hell of a player. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. It's been a fun week, and we've got a lot more coming in the coming weeks and months. So get ready. Don't forget, download the Himalaya podcast app. Subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all next week.